arrow. And let me tell you something, it has been a tough launch. I mean, it's like God wants us to project, and I, we want to, as mothers, protect. And it has been everything I could do. I mean, that arrow went out, and I have still got my arms just totally wrapped around it. So go ahead, I'll show you my family, my three gifts. Um, my son Blaine is 21. He's at the University of Oklahoma. Sally is 25. She went to A&M, and then she did a three-year uh, Dallas Theological Seminary program, and she's a biblical counselor, and she just got her first job. And then my Gracie is a freshman at A&M, and then my husband Blaine, we've been married for 28 years in November. So that is my three. And when you think of a gift and what the Lord says is the gift that children are a gift from the Lord. In Psalm 127, 3 and 4, it says children are a gift. In some translations, in my NIV, it says children are a heritage. And so what that looks like is a heritage is something that is an extension of you. That's what God intends, for us to train our kids and then them to go out as an extension and be a gift. So I look at this and, you know, children really are a gift. When you get a gift, sometimes there's tags on it and you have to clip them off. Well, you can see our kids come home and they have a little bracelet on that we have to actually cut the tags off. So I like it because it says children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. You can go ahead. So we are going to watch a little thing. I, first of all, I want to ask you, I want you and your hearts to envision a gift that you received that was like the best gift ever. Not necessarily a child. We don't want to play favoritism. But think of a gift you received. I mean, envision the box it came in. Was it a big, big box? Was it a little box? Was it a blue Tiffany's box? I mean, think about something you received that you really loved. Um, as we watch this video, this is about how parents gave their kids a gift and their responses or reactions. What's your, what's your gift, Charlie? I like this. Oh. What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? No. What are you doing? Pushing it. Oh, A battery and an onion. What's wrong? I don't want an onion. Did you smell your onion? Here, smell it. Marissa, what do you tell me all the time about my cooking? I love it. You love my cooking, so I made you something. So you don't want that peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I'll eat it! 
So I love, my favorite part is when you watch that whole video, he got a pair of nail clippers, a big giant pair. And they were both trying to be so appreciative. Like he was like, she was like, and he was like, I'll eat it. And she was like, you know, she got so frustrated. So I loved seeing that. Guys, this was, you know, the little, uh, the picture I showed you earlier with the wristband on? When I started to do this talk, I brought out Gracie's little wristband because this is what Gracie looked like for the first six weeks that we had her. And I didn't cut the tag off. There's no, every, both of my other children have cuts on their bracelets, so we got them. Gracie's does not. It slid off. I think I was thinking, okay, I wonder what their return policy is, and if not, I'll just take her back to Nordstrom's, because she cried. Literally, when they brought her down, I was at the very end of the hallway, and I was like, I got up at two, thinking they were going to bring her for nursing, and I got my teeth brushed, and I got my hair fixed, and then I hear this crying, and then I hear this knock on the door, and I was like, come, I was like, please don't be Gracie, please, oh, come in Gracie, and literally she cried like that for six weeks. So I don't know that I saw her as a gift. I mean, because, but luckily she wasn't my first, or she probably would not have any siblings, because she did cry for the first six weeks. You can show them that. Okay, so I, in, back in May, I spoke on uh, fun, can you dig it? And one of the verses I stumbled upon was when Gabriel came in, met Mary, and told her about that she would would be the mother of Jesus. And so Gabriel, when he approached her, he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And of course, Mary was very fearful of what was going to happen to her. And so he assured her and combated her fear by saying, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And I really believe, guys, that that's what the Lord tells us. That the power of the Most High and that, that, that um, the Holy Spirit will come upon us. So as mothers, I don't want us to ever feel like the Lord just granny dumped these kids on us. He's got our back. He's going to see us through the job that he has called us to. So my heart today is to encourage you. I love the word encourage. Encourage means that you're putting courage into someone or a confidence in someone and to inspire. That's one of my favorite emojis and it's ironic that when um, it's in Luke 1:45, I believe, maybe it's 38, no, it's, it's 38, because it says, um, Mary, after she got the news, she said, for, for I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. And I think the Lord is just looking for us to say, so today I hope if you're overwhelmed or discouraged that you can look and say, for I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. And I love when it goes on in verse 45, which I just found last night. It said, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. The Lord is going to accomplish his purpose for you. And so I just hope that we can all leave here encouraged, inspired, uh, renewed, just ready to take on the next step. And I hope that looking at scripture that you'll be able to see what the Lord has for us through a new lens. It will clear up. Maybe you're kind of foggy right now because you've got, you know, stuff going on at your kid's school or battling a learning difference or whatever. I just want you to see these gifts through the what through the lens of the Lord, a new mindset. 
So we're going to look at a gift. We're going to look at grateful, intentional, faithful, and to be treasured. <clears throat> and so let's start with grateful. The very first thing I want you to write on your list of grateful is I want you to put, God chose me, I am purposed. God chose you. This was not a mistake. This wasn't God standing at the Target checkout line and saying, okay, um, get me three for Millie and three for Sally and oh, throw in four for Mandy. I mean, that's not the way the Lord saw that. And it wasn't an Oprah moment where it's like, Gina, you get a child and you get a child and you get two and you get... It wasn't like that. And we have to look at what scripture tells us. And so it says in uh, Luke 12, 7, it says, Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all. I think that's a really important thing to look at. When you look at scripture, look at it in detail. It says the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You can't really see Gracie's hair there, but that child had more hair. And look again, Blaine's like hugging her going, okay, this is going to be great. Um, because he was such a, he would always bring her down. One time she was crying up in her bed and I heard the cry get closer and closer and closer. And he was three. I was like, oh my gosh. And he had gotten her out of her bed upstairs and brought her down at three. And he's kind of holding her. And he said, Gracie needed a hug. And I was like, oh, okay. I was running over trying to get her. But they have a really sweet friendship. But that, and, and it also says, if you're ever discouraged, go to Psalm 139. David, I love his, the one through 22 the verse 1 through 22 in Psalm 139 talks all about his confidence in the Lord. I mean, you know me, you search me, you, you hem me in from front and behind, you do all these things. He says, you created me in my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. This wasn't something, guys, that the Lord just threw together. If you're knitting something together and you're creating in the inmost being, he knows us. He knows what he's gifted to you. He called you to do it. He didn't, he didn't call you because he doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. So you were called for this. So anyways, oops, go back. I'm sorry. <laughs> See, that's where I was. So then the next thing I want you to write is the tough stuff. And I'll tell you, sometimes things come down your way through a child that's not what you envisioned would go in your box. We have these boxes. We think, oh, I got a boy. He's going to love sports, and he's going to do this, or he's going to do cars, and he's going to make loud noises. And we envision what these look like. But then, frankly, things come, come out in these children that we're thinking, oh, my gosh, that's not what I was counting on. And so when Blaine was in second grade, he... I just could tell something was not right. He, in school, it was always a struggle. It was a battle every single day. He would come home and get in the car. Oh, I've got so much homework. And I'd go, okay, well, what do you have? And, and then I'd notice when I'd, you know, my best hours at 7 in the morning. And so, frankly, at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock and then dinner, I'm dinner and done. I don't really, I don't want to do homework with a second grader until 10 or 11. I want to be done with that. And Blaine just wasn't like that. He, he definitely had something going on. And so I put him on the list with his teacher's recommendation. I put him on the list to go to Scottish Rite. And let me tell you, when you take your child to Scottish Rite, you get a book of everything you want to know about them and everything you don't want to know about them. It was the most detailed instruction manual of all his learning differences. 
And so one day, I kept trying to give it away. I told my husband, you read with Blaine. Well, it's not really wise to ask your husband who's dyslexic to read with a dyslexic son. Because I'd say, how's y'all's reading going? And they'd look at each other and go, oops. And I'd go, oh, I'm going to have to take the reading. So I just told my husband, he goes, Millie, I'm not going to read with him. If you'll read, I'll take another job off your plate. I said, okay, you make lunches. So I was sitting in the car just knowing that I had all this hanging over me. I was put my little sign up, my little number up to get him from school. And he gets in the car with the same old thing. He's like, I've got so much homework. And I looked at him and I said, peanut butter. And he goes, what? And I took his hand and I put jelly. I go, buddy, I'm on your team. We go together. What do you got? And he said, well, I've got math. And I said, great, stop there. We're going to do 45 minutes of math when we get home. You're in charge of drinks. I'm in charge of popcorn. I've already cleared off the table. Well, guys, every single day he got in the car, peanut butter. And I said, then we're going to go out and throw the ball for 45 minutes after we do that. And then we're going to come back in and do 30 minutes of this. And every day he got in the car, peanut butter. And I'd go, jelly, what do we got? And he would tell me what we had. And he and I, and guys, I would put spelling words above the visor. We would utilize our car time. And I was just on it. I said, I want to be a part of his team. I want to be the one that helps him. So sometimes I would get in the car and go, I had the worst lunch. And I was like, talk to the lunchroom staff. That is not me anymore. That is your dad. Because I just felt like we were a team and we were going to all work together. And so I just felt like the tough stuff, the pe- Uh-oh. Where's my phone? <laughs> Sounds like my phone. Oops. Sorry about that. So anyway, so the tough stuff, don't be afraid of the t- tough stuff. When Blaine got a little bit older, then our message was have to's before your want to's. He'd say, mom, can you take me to this golf tournament? I'm like, have to's before your want to's. And he'd go, okay, well, what do we have to do? I'm like, well, we need to read this. We need to read that. And I just saw the way the Lord started empowering him. When he would get in, he'd go, mom, I made 10 out of 10 on my deal. Another thing Scottish Rite said, because Highlander, where we were at the time, they wanted me to read, and they wanted him to read to me. Well, Scottish Rite told me, you read to him. Just you read to him. And so he and I would race to the reading chair. We would, you know, we just had fun little things that, that connected me and I, connected he and I. And I will tell you, God used that to forge our friendship. Because I was just, it was so cute. I was just um, in Minnesota at a golf tournament, and it was a long three rounds of golf. But when Blaine came off the 18th, he actually won the tournament, which was his first college win. He came off, and he put his arms around me, and we were walking up together, and and we were walking to the scoring tent, and he went like this. He kind of skipped his legs, and he goes, Mom, remember that? And I did remember. I didn't then, but when he reminded me, I did. We used to walk like that, and if we noticed our legs were left and right, he would always try to get off cadence. And it was just a little sweet moment that I thought, he remembers stuff that we used to do that was unique to us. So it was super sweet, just a little reminder that the Lord used our time together to forge that friendship. I wouldn't have, if I had given that away and made my husband read with him and made, then we would not have had the bond that we have. And so my daughter has OCD and God used that. I went to every counseling session. So don't be afraid. My message to you ladies is your kids are going to have things that are tough and don't be afraid of the tough stuff. That's, there's a lot of blessing in that. The next thing, and we're not ready for that yet, but the next thing is cast and crew. I want you to write down cast and crew. 
Your kids all have, are a playbill. A playbill is something when you go to the theater, they hand you and it's got a list of all the key, the key characters in the, in, in the movie or whatever, in the theater, all the supporting cast, and then all the production crew. And frankly, ladies, you can be a part of any of that. God is going to accomplish his purposes for your child with or without you being in any role. But I will tell you, it's so sweet when you see the way the Lord orchestrates people in your kid's life that partner with you and walk alongside you and encourage your kids. I had one of the sweetest things happen just this last week. Um, so Gracie, you know, went to, to A&M, and when we did our run-through a couple, like two weeks ago, I cried through the entire thing because Gracie was so homesick. She was, and so it's hard on me as a mother because I'm so close to Gracie and we just have a special bond because of her OCD. It was really hard on me. To, she wouldn't answer the phone. She wouldn't talk to me. And about seven years ago, we went to a golf tournament over Easter weekend. And I really was kicking and screaming because I think Easter, you should be at home. It's your home church. But we went and I said, well, the girls and I are going with y'all. So we went and the girls and I went to church. And this is right before Sally was supposed to start A&M. So I thought, well, we can, you know, kind of search churches, see where we want to go. Maybe that would be a church home that she could have at A&M. So we sat by the cutest family. And the little boy was sitting right by me. And I just have an affection for little boys. So he and I were kind of talking. And he was probably about 11 at the time. Well, after, we, after church service, the mother said, oh, are y'all visiting? And so I said, well, my daughter's about to start a and and she said, oh my gosh, well, I would, my husband is a dentist here, and I'm a dental hygienist, so we connected there, and I said, oh my gosh, that's so great, and she said, listen, get, get my number, and if Sally has any concerns or any wants, please call me. Sally did great. She didn't have anything, so I didn't even reach out to Allison. Well, when Gracie was crying and so upset and so homesick, I just shot Allison a text seven years later and said, hey, Allison, this is Millie Hale. I met you at Grace Southwood. Do y'all still go there? My daughter's at A&M now, and she's a little homesick. And Allison said, oh, yes, we do. We'd love to have her. It's a great church. We have a great college ministry. She goes, send me her information. Didn't think another thing about it. Two days, I, I didn't even mention to Gracie that I'd reached out to her. Two days ago... Um, I get, I call Gracie. I'm th I never know what I'm going to get. Is she going to be crying? Is she going to sound good? She goes, hey, mom. I was like, hi, how are you? She said, oh, I'm good. She goes, mom, I did so good on my psychology quiz today. And she goes, oh, and by the way, I had lunch with Miss Wright today. I was like, what? She goes, oh, yeah, Miss Wright called me and asked me to go to lunch. Said she'd swing through Callaway and get me. And I was like, she goes, mom, she is so nice. And I was like, Oh my gosh, Grace. I mean, I literally had tears in my eyes. I go, it's so great to have a mom friend. Guys, seven years ago, God planted a seed. He is so strategic in placing people. I would have thought maybe that wasn't even the right number anymore. But she responded. She, I, I told her, I said, I texted her and said, my heart is going to, to sleep tonight so full. I go, please send one of your kids to SMU so I can love on them. <laughs> But I'm just telling you, God is so strategic. I was telling my patient yesterday, that's at, uh, my dental hygiene patient, that's in seminary, and he said, I told him the story because I thought it was just so amazing. And he goes, Millie, don't you get it? God's playing chess. We're all playing checkers. I go, I'm so using that. God is so busy orchestrating. And so I just want to encourage y'all, be grateful God chose you. 
Be grateful for the tough stuff and be grateful that you get, get to be a part and he's strategically working and placing people in your lives that are going to be, you know, they're going to be helpful. Um, so I, I write down Proverbs 19.21. It just says many, you don't have to write down the whole verse, but write it down as a, as a go back to and look at. Many are the plans in the minds, mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. And so I would just tell you, when Gracie, before she left for college, I'm really corny and I made everybody write her a letter of why we love Gracie. And so I've done a book for Blaine. I did something else for Sally. And so we're sitting at dinner and and so I handed everybody back out their letter and I said, okay, Blaine, you're going to read your letter. No, mom, I'm not reading my letter. I said, Blaine, you are going to read your letter. Sally, and Sally, you know, because she's been in seminary the last three years, she had said about two weeks before at a dinner, I overheard her saying, I don't know what I'm going to do without Grace. She's my best friend. And so Blaine ended up reading his letter. Now, Gracie's just sitting at the table basically with her feet up going, come on, shower me. So Blaine read his letter, cried through the whole thing. Sally read her letter, cried through the whole thing. My husband read his letter, cried through the whole thing. I read my letter, she cried through the whole thing. So my point in saying that is, this week, grab one of your children, take them out to dinner, and tell them all the things you're grateful for about them. Shower them, because I'm telling you, they're not going to say, oh, mom, stop. Oh, stop, don't go on. You and your husband take one child out if they're of that age, and you shower them with all the things you're grateful for. So the next one is going to be intention, intentional. So when Gracie did all her packing for college, you know, that starts out, I'm a clean freak, so is she, where I wonder where she got OCD. It starts out as like a mattress pad, and then it goes to the comforter, and then it goes to, and before you know it, the, the dorm room is taking all over your whole house, not just the one little corner. So we were packing her, and I had looked on one of these neighborhood garage sale sites, and we had what we were supposed to get, but I saw this vacuum, $20, new. And I was like, it was one of those little stick vacuums. I was like, oh my gosh, want. I got it. So I went and picked it up and the lady gave me these pads with it. And I was like, I wonder what these pads are for. Well, I get it home and I'm trying to push it on the carpet and it's not going anywhere on the carpet. And it's, you can tell it's brand new. But then I thought, okay, so I get the model number. I go to the computer, I Google it and up comes a YouTube video of this lady and she's doing, and it says, how to use your steam mop vacuum. I was like, oh, that's not exactly. I never saw the steam mop part. I just saw the vacuum. So now I'm the owner of this wonderful steam mop vacuum because she doesn't have any floors to clean that with. But what I, what I realized at that moment is this lady gave me a play-by-play of how to use it. So I watched it like three or four times trying to learn how do you use this vacuum? How do you, to get the best out of it? How do you fill the water? How do you change the pad? How do you do all these things? And guys, that's what we're doing for our kids. So right under intentional, I want you to put follow Christ. We're called to be a follower of Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. In some translations, it says, be imitators of Christ as I imitate Christ. And so we're called to be Christ followers. You can also write Galatians 5.25. It says, if you live by the Spirit... Let yourself also walk by the Spirit or stay in step with the Spirit in some translations. So my mom and my sister and I went to Lake Austin Spa 
as our little, my dad sends us every year, and I'm sitting down by, the. it's right after Labor Day, it's on Tuesday, last Tuesday, and I see it's real calm out there, and I see this boat pull by, and you know, this is for serious skiers, because it's a work day, and there's not anybody out on the lake, and I see this boat pull by, and it's got the boat driver, and it's got the skier, and this skier is hot-dogging it back there, and I see the driver, and he was looking straight ahead, he wasn't even paying attention to the skier. And I was thinking to myself, you know, that's kind of us with Christ. We've got to keep our our eyes on Christ. We've got to see he came to this earth to leave an example for us. And we've got to read God's word, figure out what that example is, and set it for our children. So this driver, there was no way he was going to pull up the skier unless he used the power of the boat. And he wasn't doing like this, looking back, because then he'd, he could run over a stump, he could run up on the, the bank, he could do all these other things. But his intention of using this boat, the power of the boat, pulling up the skier, created a wake that could pull up the skier. And guys, that's what we're wanting to do. Utilize Christ. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. We've got to use that, but we've got to keep our eyes on Christ. Um, so it says, Sally and I were going to do an example. She taught me an example. She was going to Uganda and she showed me this example of a peacock feather. And she said, Millie, try to balance this on your hand. I go, okay. So I'm like, put the peacock feather and I'm going around and it's just falling everywhere. And she was like, okay, let me show you. And she said, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of life. When I looked at the peacock feather and looked at the eye of the peacock, I was like, oh my gosh, this is just like, you could do it. But guys, if we take our eyes off Christ and the distractions that are all around us, it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. This is one, one point I really want you to get is our greatest fear of influence is right before us. Our mission field is our kids. I don't I mean this group, it may be up here. You know, you might be eye to eye with them or, you know, here. Our greatest fear of influence is our children. And this is our mission field. And so our loudest message with our children is that they hear what we do louder than what we say. So they are looking at us all the time, watching every single thing we do. So my next thing is take note, and this is still under intentional. Um, The Lord not only paints a wonderful picture for us in his word, but he sends the Holy Spirit and the power to accomplish it. So he's not leaving us alone, but his warnings, his instructions, his teachings are clear and repetitious. So I'm going to take one verse and just kind of show you. In Philippians 4, 4, it starts out, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. The Lord is near. Um, Oh, well, wait, because this is one of the most important points, I think. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I think when you think about that, let's think about that again. Rejoice in the Lord always. And this is Paul's instructions. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So repetitious. He wants us to get that. He wants us, rejoicing is to experience joy over and over and over again. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I wish I had stopped as a mother back then and thought and asked myself that question. Is my gentleness evident to all? Is my, am I gentle with my kids? Or am I, get your shoes, get your backpack, grab this, grab that. 
I can remember those days that I did that. And if at this point, moms, older moms, let's really think back. Is how we're handling things working or where do I need to sharpen myself? Where do I need to sharpen myself? And then it confirms for us again, the Lord is near. Just like Gabriel told Mary, the Lord is with you. The Lord is near. He's right by us, guys. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, uh, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I would say one thing that is going to be my big push from here on out, and I do this in my discipline class every time, is guys, how you doing with your hard copy? Use your hard copy. You know, if I was reading, and I have, but if I read that verse in Philippians 4.4, I do it with a little Sharpie or a little highlighter or a little pencil or a little pen, and I go back in and I make those notations. My biggest sadness is that I see moms using their phones as their Bible app. And I just think at the end of the day, we're going to be sorry. You know, I remember my son used to say, we didn't get cell phones until my kids were ninth grade. That was just our rule. And so I had the privilege, thanks to some moms I saw at BSF, when the leader said, how many people have to do carpool today? And all the moms were like, oh, you know, five, 500 moms just moaning and groaning. And I looked at these two older ladies in front of me. They were probably in their 70s. And they looked at each other and went, and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm getting out of my carpool today. And I got out of my carpool that day, and I never looked back. I thought it was such a privilege. Those moms would have taken a place with me and gone and done carpool for me at any time. And I thought, that is is such a sweet time, carpool. So I got out of my carpool. But anyways, I just think my son would get in the car, though, at football, and he'd go, sorry, we got out 30 minutes late, but... I would have called you if I'd had a phone. I knew we were, I said, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I got 30 minutes done in my BSF and I needed it. And so I kept my Bible with me in the car and I didn't get a cell phone, an iPhone until I was 50. I'm 56 now. So I was an oldie, but I didn't, I was so thankful I didn't have that thing. And now I'm just, you know, I get distracted just like everybody else. So ladies, if you have a hard copy and you're not using it, dust it off. It's such a blessing to have it. Um, I think it goes on in Philippians 4, 9 after that to say, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, and I love this, or seen in me, that's what he says, put it into practice. Could we say that about our kids? I love when he says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, and let me tell you, or seen in me is much more powerful than all the things we say and we think we're doing. I used to have moms come up to me all the time. How do you know so much scripture? I, I, I need to teach my kids scripture. I'm like, no, you don't. You need to learn scripture. You just, you learn, if you learn scripture to say, okay, I'm going to tuck this in my heart today. I've hidden your word in my heart, O oh Lord, that I may not sin against you, but also I've hidden it in my heart because I want to give it away. There's nothing more life-giving than scripture. I went and sat with a lady. I always say, find you a salty Christian and go sit with them. Well, I have a lady that was a patient of mine, and she ended up giving blame. Her husband did his first golf lesson, and they've been super sweet family to us and real sweet. 
But I said, I told Marianne, I said, Marianne, what's your favorite Bible verse? She goes, Proverbs 25, 11. She said, a fitly word is lovely like golden apples in a silver basket. And I thought, oh my gosh, but I saw it. It said, timely advice is lovely like golden apples in a silver basket. I hope today, ladies, that this advice and this uh encouragement is an encouragement. I hope it's timely. I hope you can take something from this and carry it home and be encouraged. Okay, we're going to go to faithful. And you know what? God calls us to be faithful. He just calls us to be faithful. One thing, one of my favorite sayings or little mindsets that I have is, you know, like when I'd go to work, Donna just laughs at me. I've worked there for 33 years. And I would say things like, she'd go, oh, or your patients canceled. I was like, oh, God will work out the details. And then somebody would just walk in mysteriously going, I, I thought I had an appointment today. And she was like, well, maybe you do. You do now. So, I mean, it's funny how the Lord to me just works out the details. And so anything that came down that was a hard thing, like OCD or whatever, I'd always say to myself, it's for grace is good, for God's glory. For grace is good, for God's glory. For my good, when something happened to me, for my good, for God's glory. For my good. And so because I knew that God was faithful. Okay, so we know in Romans 8, 28, most everybody knows that verse. And we, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love Jesus. So God is constantly working out the details. He's constantly placing people, encouragement, you know, uh, through your community group, through all kind of things. He's using people and, and, um, and things just to sharpen us and get us to the place he wants us to be. If you look at Psalm 127, we've talked about children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward. But if you backtrack and just go to the top of Psalm 127, 1 and 2, it says, unless the Lord builds the house... Its builders build in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise and early and you stay up late. You're toiling for food to eat. And in some versions it says, the bread of anxious toil. Uh, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Guys, I mean, that's, the pressure's off. Unless the Lord builds a house, we've just got to keep our eyes on Jesus. We've just got to keep going back to God's word. That should be, you know, thy word is a lamp unto thy feet. This is a dark world. And when you start bringing kids home from school and you see the influences they have over there, we've just got to stay on track. I mean, that's the encouragement that I gave to a mom that's in this room this week is, you know, she's overwhelmed. And I was like, hey, back it up. You know, let's pray about this. Let's, you know, but you just create this consistency because her son just started school and he's coming home and he's bringing a lot of stuff at home that's kind of the home's going like this. And I was like, you just got to be like this. And so I'm in the process of trying to encourage her and give her encouragement so that she can apply it, you know, when she's home. Okay, so one thing, write down Isaiah 48, 18. And go back and look at these things. I didn't really put it all on the handout, but it's, it's kind of the if only verse. And it says, if only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your righteousness like the waves of the sea. If only I had paid attention to your commands. That's the one thing, guys, at the end of the day, 
I mean, God's going to accomplish his purposes, whether you're in your per, his purpose for your life and their life, whether you're on board or not. But you just don't want to look at the end of the day and think, gosh, if only I had paid attention. Especially if you have a Bible, you have truth, you have things, you want to do that. And I just think, note to self, God is faithful. Um, one of the sweet things, and here's what I want to tell you. You know, in Galatians 6, 9, it says, don't grow weary in doing good. And the key verse there to me is, for, for at the proper time or in due time, you will reap a harvest. And Sunday, you can change it. Um, so this is, so when we're talking about faithful, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. And that was Blaine when he started school. That was when he was full of dyslexia and full of, he's still full of it, but he's, he's learned how to handle it. So you can go on to the next one. In June, my husband came and he goes, did you see the OU website? And I said, no. And he goes, well, go look at it. I think it's something you'll want to see. Um, Blaine's a business major and this makes me cry. He was named All-American Scholar. And I saw on his coach's website, it said, this is so much harder than you realize. It's an accumulative grade point average of 3.2. You have to play in at least 50%. You have to be a starter, and you have to be a junior or senior. So you have to have freshman, sophomore, and junior year all combined. I would have never thought that Blaine could have been an All-American Scholar. He had dyslexia. We had struggled. If I had stiff-armed that back then and not partnered with him and, and just grabbed it and allowed the Lord to use the tough stuff, this was as much for me. This was Galatians 6-9 revealed to me. And last year we studied 2 Samuel, and at the end of the whole semester, at the end of the Bible study here, they said, what's your big idea for the whole year? And after looking at David's life, it just dawned on me. God rewrites... He redeems, he restores, he renews, and he reclaims his children. And guys, all he asks of me, all he asks of me is to reflect, remember, remind, record, recount, and repent. That's all he asks of me. And for this, I should rejoice. He's behind the scenes working all the time. Like I said, he's playing chess, we're playing checkers. But I, it's, it's so comforting just to remember all the time. I spend so much time reminding myself of God's faithfulness often. So I'm going to bring up my good friend, Sally Michael, who I have the most fun with. If you don't know Sally, you're in for a treat. And if you do know her, then you know you're in for a treat. And you can go ahead Sunday and put it on Sally's. Oh, do you oh do you have a microphone for her? Well, no, you need one. It's yeah, you need one because they're they're taping it, and so you want it. And I didn't introduce Sally. I'm gonna let you introduce yourself. <laughs> I don't have to get on the stage. Okay, thank you, Millie. Okay, so Mills asked me to come speak to y'all because oh you want yes we want to see your pretty face okay. So Mills asked me to come speak because I am probably the opposite of Millie. So I did not become a believer till I was 40 years old. I did not start walking with the Lord. I had no peanut butter jelly. <laughs> I had no reading chair. I, ha- I didn't have, I-, I was a mom that was struggling. And so, let me back up and tell you who I have. 
so I have. <laughs> Ryan, who's 21, he's a, a senior at Dallas Baptist. And I have Abby, who's next to me, and she's a sophomore at Oklahoma State. Go Pokes. And then I have Gracie, who is a senior at Pierce High School. And my sweet husband, Scott Michael, he's a community director here on staff. I just can't even believe that. Because he became a believer at 39. And so we grew up, or I grew up uh, here in Dallas, and my sweet mama is back there, and she came to support me. She's the best mama in the whole wide world. She's stuck with me through thick and thin, and she knows what a mess I've been. And um, I was in church, and we had these three beautiful children, and I struggled. I had a lot of postpartum in between kids. I had miscarriages. I lost my temper a lot. I was marked with probably anxiousness. Um, I was fun. I was a fun mom, but not a lot of peace. Um, I tried to make my house nice, um, but I kind of was a mess through raising my kids. And so today, I want to give you a little story of my testimony when I turned 40 and came to know God's goodness, and, um, and then talk about how faithful He was and is to me and my family. Um, and I hope this encourages you guys, because I am one that's never had it together. And because of Christ, I can be together, because I'm unique and beautifully made in him. So I hope this will encourage you. So I always wanted to be that mom, Millie. I always wanted to have it together. I always wanted to have the cute sayings, but I just never was that, right? And so um, one day um, I woke up and Ryan was 10 at the time. Abby was eight and Gracie was six. And Ryan got deathly ill. He was vomiting, like bad vomit. And so I knew I had to take him to the doctor. So I took him to the doctor, and it turned out he was about to go into cardiac arrest, and his kidneys had failed. We didn't know it, and he had an immune deficient disease. Um, You know, he was just a wild, crazy little boy, and we didn't know that inside he was dying and his kidneys were shutting down. We got him to the emergency center, I mean to the... um, the hospital, and um, I'll never forget this. The doctor came out and said, we need you to sign this. There's a 50-50 chance your son's coming out of surgery. And so we signed it, and I think that was the first time Scott and I prayed together. We prayed that God would not take Ryan because we both believed in God, but we had never, it had never gone from here to here. We were in church. We were teaching Sunday school. I mean, it's crazy because we were playing church. I never had a relationship with the Lord. I would pray when I needed something or whatever, but I didn't have that walk with the Lord. I didn't know what that looked like, you guys. And so here I am, a son in the hospital, and he came out of surgery fine, and they put a catheter in his neck, and he was put on dialysis immediately to save his life. So fast forward a year. He's been on dialysis for a year. Uh, we we're trying to get him healthy enough to be on the kidney trans I mean, to get a kidney transplant. And an amazing man named Ryan Nixon, who some of you guys may know here, he is the reengage leader 
um, which is our marriage ministry here at Watermark, um, was a match for Ryan and gave him a kidney. The week before um, the kidney transplant, I was out to dinner with some amazing friends. And they looked at me and they said, Sally, you don't believe that God is good, do you? And y'all, I couldn't answer that question because I was in so much pain with my son in, you know, in the hospital and needing a kidney, not knowing if he was going to live or not. And then I was raising these two precious girls and really I was so lost. And I looked at him and I said, I really can't tell you that. I think he's good right now. And um, the husband of my great friend said, Sally, I want you to go home and I want you to look up the book of Habakkuk. Well, I'd never even heard of that book before. I mean, has, have y'all read in that book? I didn't know that book was in there, but it doesn't surprise me. I'm going to grab my Bible. Millie, I'm going to grab my hard copy. Okay, good. And, um, <laughs> and so, sorry about that. I forgot it. Um, so, I went home that night and grabbed the Bible off the shelf and I opened it. And I want you guys to open it to Habakkuk. Do y'all know where that is? Y'all might have to look it up in the table of contents. I sure did. And go to chapter 3. And it was the last chapter in Habakkuk. And it's 17 through 19. And this is what it says. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. I read that, you guys, and it was like the scales were removed from my eyes. I hit my knees and realized at that point that God was good. And that even if Ryan didn't make it through his kidney transplant, he is still good. And that was my moment when I realized that I wanted to surrender my life to Christ. Okay, so I'm a mom of three, about to go into a kidney transplant. All of a sudden, I surrender my life to Christ. And I'm thinking, I'm the most dramatic, crazy person on the planet. <laughs> I, 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 I prayed out to the Lord. I said, if you're really the God that everybody talks about, you have to show me what that looks like. You have to show me what it looks like to have faith. And boy, did he have a plan. So I woke up the next morning, and I tell this story all the time, especially to people who um, become believers later in life. I just, I love it because I had 40 years without Christ, right? So I've raised kids without Christ and with Christ. But I woke up the next morning at the covers, and I kind of looked up like, is something happening to me? Like, am I different? You know, I didn't know. And sure enough, God had a plan. His faithfulness was amazing. He had already put me around people like Millie and people like Kathy McJunkin and people like Alex Wagner. All my friends were godly mothers who had been raising their children. I don't know where I was or what I was doing, Millie, but y'all were so faithful to be my friend. And so anyway, so, so he put these women in my life to teach me how to walk and teach me how to crawl and teach me how to run. And ladies... I didn't, I didn't look back. So I'm 40. I have a 10, 8, and 6-year-old. 
Oh, by the way, Ryan gave Ryan a kidney, and he's healthy as a horse, and he's about to be 22, and he's still a handful. And so there's three things I want to tell y'all, okay, is because I'm someone that hadn't had it together. My kids, all three, are walking with the Lord. Now, did that have anything to do with me? Heck no, because if it was because I was not walking with the Lord. Abby surrendered her life to Christ before I did. Okay, and so we were at Kennecott Family Camp. Scott took me. He tricked me. He told me we were going to camp, and we go. And Todd's like teaching, and I was freaked out about the whole thing. Anyways, Abby surrendered her life um, at camp, but she said, "Hey, mom, mom, I want to ring the bell. I want to ask Jesus into my heart." So I was looking around. Um. Can you come over here and walk Abby through that? Like, I'm just, hey, like, that's the story. So anyways, so anyway, so um, God is so faithful. So the three things that I want to talk about, Millie, it's so shocking because we've talked and we're always together anyways, but the three things I really wanted to encourage you guys with is number one, don't fear the hard stuff. And that was one of your main points. Mm-hmm. And so I want to talk to y'all for just a second about that. So I was a mom fearful of what, what, what my children were going to get into and what that would look like and how it was going to hurt them and just kind of fearful. I mean, if I really look back, I was fearful. I didn't have an anchor. I wasn't trusting in the Lord. I didn't realize that my kids were a gift and that he was going to use me to shepherd my children, I, it just never connected. I mean, I, I loved my kids, um, but I was, I was a fearful mom. And so one of the things when Scott and I both became believers is we realized that we can't fear things. So I'll tell you just a couple of stories. So our kids have been through all kinds of stuff and gotten in all kinds of trouble. Okay. And there's been hard stuff. For example, Ryan, when he became a freshman, he tried out for the basketball team and he made the gold team and he put on his gold sweatsuit and had his gold backpack. And he came out and he was all excited and he was, oh my gosh, I just have arrived and I picked him up and um, we celebrated that night. And then the next night he went um, back to the locker room and the next morning went to the locker room and they said, hey, Ryan, give us your gold sweatsuit and your backpack. We've changed our mind. We're putting you on the blue team. And just the heartbreak that we had to go through with him. If I would not have known that God was all over that and that the hard times were going to make him the man he is today, I mean, it would have been really hard. I mean, it's hard enough as it is, but God has used all the hard stuff. Abby, um, didn't get invited to any dances all the way through high school. The whole time I'm thinking, that's so sad, you know, but God has a plan. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, it drew Abby closer to the Lord Mm -hmm. than anything else. He uses the hard stuff with our kids and we can so get in the way is what I want to say. When we're helicoptering and, Mm -hmm. um, and not letting our kids go through these hard things and not trust in the Lord, with it all, it can get in the way. And we enable our kids and they've got to go through the hard stuff. Grace even told me, I was talking to her about what I was going to say. And she goes, mom, yeah, tell them, really tell them, you need to let your kids go through the hard stuff. You know, we get in the way a lot as mamas, you know, Mm -hmm. I was thinking about the first time Ryan saw porn. Now y'all are sitting in here, Miss Candace, with your three boys, you know, inside, I mean, be honest, does that make you fearful? 
That makes you fearful, right? I'm telling you, we prayed that anything our kids were caught up in, any sin that our kids were were caught up in, that it would come to the light so that we could walk through that with them, so we could show them how to accept responsibility, so we could show them what it looked like to walk with Christ and ask for forgiveness. You know, Mimi back there, she's recently moved in with us, and it's just such a blessing. But this is what Mimi would tell you. Do y'all have to talk about everything? (laughs) I mean, do y'all just have to beat a dead horse and just talk about everything? And the answer is yes, because in today's world, These kids are hit with so much. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage you guys, don't be fearful. God Mm -hmm. has given you everything you need to handle it. Mm -hmm. He's given you his word. He's given you community. Lee and I are in community together. And he's given you this body of Christ that has thousands of moms have gone before you. So don't go at it alone. I don't know what I would have done if I wouldn't have had um, Millie and Alex and Kathy to go to and say, what'd you do when, when Bert saw porn for the first time? I mean, heck, I don't know what to do with that, right? Mm-hmm. And you learn, don't be fearful. You have everything you need. Don't be a fearful mom. Pray that their sin would be revealed. Pray that when they're cheating, they get caught. Pray that when they're out crowsing, you know, crowsing around the cars, that they'll get pulled over. I mean, whatever it takes. I mean, I giggle because every time one of my kids gets a ticket, I'm kind of like, yes, right? Because they need to, they need to know that they have a higher authority, right? And so, um, so pray for the hard things. And I, I hate saying that, but I don't regret any of it. And I wouldn't trade it now for the world. Um, little Gracie, she had migraines for two years. We couldn't figure out why should these migraines and we were going to every doctor known to man and then the whole should we medicate her should we not medicate her blah do y'all know the drill it's just hard all the making decisions god is so faithful she was at camp after two years of this struggle and a little girl in her bunk said hey gracie you know what i did for my migraines i i stopped eating gluten sugar and dairy and everything went away she comes home from camp she goes mom i'm getting off all the medicine i'm going no dairy no sugar no gluten i'm like really like i don't even know what that means and sure enough her migraines went away god is so faithful they are his you cannot screw them up oh is that about cannot mess them up you cannot mess them up they are god's children he is calling you to be faithful okay and so Tons of stories there. And so if you ever need encouragement, I know Millie and there's lots of women, but I'd be so privileged just to, to encourage you um, in your walk. Okay, the second thing, I'm just going to ask you all this question. And it's because I get to, because I wasn't a believer for so long. I, had, I, I believed, but I had not trusted my life to Christ, right? My entire life to Christ. And so I want to ask you, how are you doing abiding? I didn't even know what that word was. I didn't know what that looked like. How are you doing abiding? Because it's the most important thing. I'll never forget when Abby didn't get invited to a dance, her dad took her out and he asked her this question. And so I want you guys to ask your kids this question. This will tell you a lot about how you're doing. Um, He said, Abby, what's the most important thing to me? And she said, Jesus and duck hunting. That's what she said. Ask 
ask your kids, what do you think the most important thing to me is? I mean, they may say working out. They may say shopping. They may say playing tennis. They may say, I don't know what they're going to say, working. But if my kids say anything other than, Mom, you have a passion for Jesus and you, and you want to love people, then I've missed the mark. I've missed the mark. So I just want to encourage y'all, the most important thing you can do is what Millie said, and that is to abide with Jesus. He has the answers. And we hear that. Like we hear that, hear that, hear that, hear that, hear that, hear that, hear that. But we have so many distractions out there. And you just really are going to have to push it to the side and, and work on your walk with the Lord. So part of my testimony is after I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, he was so faithful because I was a hot mess. And just because I had surrendered <laughs> my life um, didn't mean I had it all together. And so to this day, I still don't. But guess what? I had some work to do. I had to, some work to do. I had to look at my sin patterns. And I jumped in about every ministry you can possibly do here. And I started working on my relationship with the Lord. And so my question is, in order to be that healthy, thriving mama, are you doing the work you need to do? Like I'm looking at Lee over here. She's got some hard stuff with her children. And I personally know she's doing the work. She's doing the work she needs to be doing amidst some really tough circumstances. So are you, or are you frozen and fearful? Because I was frozen and fearful. And so I was not trusting in the Lord. I was not working on myself. I was not doing what I needed to do to be a thriving, healthy mama. And so are you doing those things? Are you playing church? Are you really working on and looking at your blind spots and being authentic with your friends and really sharing your struggles with people? I hope you are. That was a whole new world to me at 40. But it is so important because my kiddos have watched me transform, watched the Lord transform me in front of their little eyes. And like Millie said, they do what you do, not what you say. And I said a lot of things until they were 10, 8, and 6. And I bet you don't remember a lot of that. What they see now is a mama passionate for Jesus and a mama passionate for other people. And I love moms. I want to encourage moms. So that's what they see. So that was the first, that's the second thing. And then the third thing, you guys, it's never too late. Do you know that I did not know that moms... Are, are to be, to set the tone for the home. I, had no, I didn't know that. Like, I would go over to Millie's house, and it, it was just the homiest home. You know, you just wanted to be there. And my home wasn't like that. And so what I want to say to you guys, it is never, never too late to start. Doing the home was like not, I was working. I'd started my own business at, uh, in 2007 and I was working all the time and then picking kids up and just going through the motions. And I'm telling you, I've learned so much about how important it is for the mom to set the tone in the house. And it's not my giftedness, but it is true. I love my home and I'm not talking because it's a big, nice home. It's a little 2,600 square foot home, not much of anything. It's an older home. And I'm telling you, you, you guys, I set the tone for that home 
And it's a place where my kids want to come back. And guess what? A lot of the 20s want to come hang out at my home because they feel <laughs> safe. They know that I'm going to talk to them about everything. I'm going to talk to them about how you doing? How you doing? How's your purity walk going? And they're like, you know, whoa. You know, but I could say that. Candace will know. I was in Uganda. I was on a, a what was it? A bus? A, a safari jeep. And there were a bunch of single women. And I was like, okay, Lord, I know you want me to talk to these girls about purity. And I just whipped around and I said, girls, let's talk about purity. And they all went, no, she's not. Oh, yes, I am. (laughs) Just because I didn't have that. This is so amazing that you get to sit and you get to learn things and you get to hear things. I couldn't hear it. I, I was in Bible study and all that kind of stuff, but I never heard it until the Lord revealed to me his goodness. And so it is never too late. So I don't know. Who's got the oldest child in here? Name out some. Probably me. I know, Lee, you've got college. 16. Anybody? How, how old? 15. Okay. Let me just tell you something. It is never too late with these kids. Never too late. And just remember this. God's got them. I have three walking with Jesus. Is that not a miracle? I mean, I was as dysfunctional as can be, but God drew their hearts to him, and it's changed everything. So, um, Millie, thank you for letting me oh, man. visit. And you, y'all just come to my house. If y'all can't afford to go to Disney World, it is just a delight. <laughs> yeah. I'm going, has she not really been in my home? She hadn't been in that much, obviously. Yes, I have. Thank you. No, but the, the th- thank you. So let's give Sally... Th- so now, now you can kind of see why I love to hang out with Sally. Um, a couple things I thought in that is, you know, in this message, I really see live grateful, love Jesus, and love others. You know, that's kind of what Sally, and like I said, we didn't go, she's been in Cincinnati, and I've been on a couple trips with Blaine. One thing I did think, though, one of my favorite things to say to myself when my kids went through tough times and they didn't get stuff, which has been a lot, I, I mean, my Sally... She never won, got anything, nothing. And I would always say, God has chosen suffering, to myself I would say this, God has chosen suffering as a way to perfect our children. Why as parents do we deny our kids that grace? Guys, our kids have got to miss out and not gotten to, you know, a really quick little thing. We were at Pebble Beach with my son. It was his first golf tournament this year, two weeks ago. And he was in fifth place going into number 10 on Pebble Beach. He hits the ball. It goes to the left, which is this far from being a perfect shot or this far from being a bad shot. He ends up getting a 10 on the hole on a par five. Anybody that knows anything about golf, a black 10 is not good. And I'm sitting up there going, God has chosen suffering as a way to perfect his job. I'm like saying in my mind, with my head down. And anyways, he comes off the deal. He turns in his scorecard. He goes back behind a building and he cries. And he comes back out because he's got to greet two more players coming in, and he's a senior. And so my husband said I could tell Blaine had cried. But he handled himself. I cannot tell you. He, his character was just so amazing. So they go on to get on an airplane, a private plane, to come home. And I didn't realize this. They had Wi-Fi on the plane. My husband and I were getting on our plane to come home, and one of the engines blows out. So the airplane goes, dips like this, and then they kind of go around, and they have to make an emergency landing in Las Vegas. Well, evidently, uh, Garrett on the, on the plane had texted his mom because he doesn't really have a dad. 
And he texted his mom and said, if I don't make it, just know that I love you. Well, Blaney had texted his two sisters the same thing and said, I just want y'all to know how much I love y'all. And they had an emergency landing, but the, the assistant coach said, if you hadn't cried, if those boys had not cried out to Jesus, they cried out to Jesus that day. It was the longest 30 minutes for any of us. The wives were crying. The boys were just sitting there silent. But I later found out my son looked over at his roommate and said, how sure are you you're going to heaven? And his roommate said 90%. So Blaine told his, his mentor at College Golf Fellowship, we've got some work to do. But when he landed, of course, Blaine, with his humor, broke the ice and said, hey guys, I really didn't think the Lord was going to let my last golf shot on this earth be a 10 at Pebble Beach on 18. So he kind of broke the ice. So they had, but it was really scary. And so my last point about that with Sally, you did an, an amazing job, and I really appreciate. Guys, and listen, I became a believer when I was a, about to be a new mom. And I, I not became a believer, but I, I married into a family that I saw who I wanted to be in my husband's mother. I've always said when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell him Julie sent me. So don't think I've got this wonderful beaded wedding gown. I praise the Lord that he gave me a mother-in-law that drove the boat. And she left the wake for me. And I wanted to do that for my kids. And so I've tried to be very intentional because I knew what I wanted to create from seeing that and what she created. Because I always say, I don't want to be the house all the kids want to come. I want to be the house my kids want to come to. So just remember that that's what's important. So now it's to be treasured. And guys, what I want you to do is a treasure is something that you keep and hold dear to yourself. And these kids are to be a treasure to us. Um, it's the small deposits that, you, that make up a treasure. So when you look at it, go ahead and go to the thing. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But right before that verse, it just talks about don't store up for yourself things that rust and moth can destroy. Store up for yourself treasure in heaven, what's going to really last the test of time. And another thing I want to say is the treasure, it's a process. It's not something, the sanctification process, while God is working on your kids, he's also working on you. And it's this little bitty thing. When I was walking before I even sat down to really kind of gather some information, gather what I was going to say and pray about it, and I'd, I did a lot of walking and praying, and I looked down and I saw, you can turn it, the two, two little acorns. And I just scooped down and picked them up, and I took them, and, and on my kitchen table, where I was doing a lot of my studying for this, I put the acorns, and then I put Gracie's little bracelet. And what I want to encourage y'all is that not every acorn becomes a mighty oak. It takes time. It takes process. It takes trials and tribulations to, to really get its strength and stature. When we were out in California, you can't believe the trees and the trunks and all that. It takes a lot of work. And it takes a lot of trusting in the Lord. So I love this verse. So then, just as you received Christ, continue to live in Him. Strengthen in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. It always takes you back to the gratitude and the gratefulness and the, you know, so you've got to, we've got to grow in Him because it is a process. So the very last thing... Uh, and then I'll just have one little thing to say is we're going to watch this last video.
this year for Christmas, what are you hoping to get? A computer, big giant Barbie house, a trophy case, an Xbox 360, Minecraft Legos. What do you think your mom or dad want for Christmas? My mom would probably want a ring. She's never really had a ring. Jewelry. She loves jewelry. A new TV. Like watches. So, we actually <laughs> did buy an Xbox 360. What in the world? What is this? Okay, you you really got this one? A new laptop. Wow. It's a necklace. So we also bought a necklace because he said you also wanted to get a necklace for your mom or your auntie. The catch is that you can either get a gift for yourself huh? or you can pick a gift for your mom and dad. <laughs> I need you to pick one. Now, now before you answer, oh, I bet that's hard. Is that a really hard question? Mm-hmm. What gift do you pick? I choose this. I gotta go with the ring. What gift do you pick? That one. That one. That dress. I'll choose this for my mom. I'll choose this one. It's a really tough question. I'll give him this. You already know? Tell me why. Because Legos don't matter. Lego, your family matters. Not Legos, not toys, your family. So, it's either family or Legos, and I choose family. I get gifts every year from my family, and my mom don't get anything. If I get a laptop, my mom will get something. She helps me when I'm sick. She helps me with my homework. She gave me a house to live in. They look out for me and do stuff for me, so I need to give back to them. Now, I, I have the opportunity to give them something. Because you actually picked the gift for your family, you're actually going to go home with both. Tell me how you're feeling. I'm feeling really happy and thankful. Just happy. Thankful. For your family? For what? My family. Everything. You did make his decision, actually. And he picked the Pandora Charms. So guys, I mean, I've watched that a million times and I can't watch it. I mean, what do I say after that? This is your treasure. God shows you. I mean, I don't know what you're walking through right now, but dig deep and just look to Him. I mean, I so want every mom just to get the gift of what God shows you to do. So I just pray that you, I mean, I just love the whole thing um, about the treasure. So I just pray that, you know, like Sally said, live grateful, love Jesus. Love others. One thing I was going to tell you real quick, though. I did have one other thing. So when Gracie left for, so when, when we packed up, you know how I said the, the car got bigger and bigger, I mean, the, the stuff got bigger and bigger. Well, we only could load her car to take it down there <clears throat> because one of the things she was supposed to bring was this big um, bean bag. 
So when I went out at 5.30 in the morning, her being my third, all of her friends, their parents, they were sending off their first. So there were all these tear emojis and all that. Well, Gracie's car literally the night before we packed, packed, packed. And so then she comes down at 5.30 the next morning with more stuff. And I was like, where are we going to put that? So I opened up the hatch. Things fell out. I shoved them back in. I pushed the hatch back in. And I looked at her and I said, bye, Felicia. And so <laughs> we get in the car at 6 and we drive to College Station. And we get down there and we're spent the whole day together. And at the very end, Gracie says, she's hugging me goodbye at 9.30 that night. And she goes, I left you a letter at home by your bed. And I said, oh, wow. So we get in the car and I told my husband, put the pedal to the metal. There's a letter waiting for me at home. And so I put it on the, the little, uh, the Wrangler's Facebook mom's page. And they were like, it's probably just going to say, bye, Felicia. I would tap the brakes because I had told them that that's what I said to her. But when I got home, here's what the letter said. And I, I just, I didn't really, I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to read a little excerpt from it. But the thing is that your kids are watching. I was not the same mom. I didn't get a letter from Sally. I didn't get a letter from Blaine. And I wasn't the same, but just shows you the process. But a week later, after I read the letter, I reread it again, and I had the best laugh of the whole time. It said, um, I never said thank you enough, so thank you for it all. I hope to be an incredible mother like you someday. I know I mentioned it early, but you love me because of who loved us first. I never really understood the power of the gospel or really the importance of it until this past year or so. But you live out the gospel in your everyday life. You love on those young moms, your family, co-workers, patients, and really anyone you come in contact with. And then there's a parenthesis. I'm not going to read that yet. We are called to live for the Lord, and you definitely do that. You live for him wholeheartedly, and in return, love everyone so well. Now, she said, I'm so sorry for the times I was disrespectful or blew you off. But anyways, that's kind of more of the letter. But in the clause, I, didn't, I skimmed over the clause so quick that night at 1 o'clock when we got home. So a week later, I read it back, and it dawned on me. She said, um, you love really anyone you come into contact with minus those Swatch and Free People employees. Well... Santa, two years in a row, bought gifts for Gracie, a swatch watch, and then the next year he bought her a free people blouse. Well, Santa did not give Mrs. Claus the, the receipt. So when I took it back to the free people store, um, we were walking. They would not let me return it without the receipt. And it still had the tags on it. It was still in their box. They go, no, we have to have the receipt. So I got probably a little cloudy-hearted. So we're walking out of the thing down the mall, and she goes, Mom, you were, you were disrespectful to those, that employee. I go, what? She goes, Mom, your heart is so cloudy. And I go, are you kidding me? And then it was like the Lord said, yes, it was. That, is that rain? Oh, my goodness. Gosh, we don't live in Savannah. Anyways, so it was like I had to, two times I had to march my little tail back into the free people and the store to apologize. So, I mean, they are watching every... She, this was like three years ago, but she, four years ago, but she did not forget how I treated them. So I would just encourage you that your kids are watching, and this is your treasure. And, you know, I just pray for each one of you. And so I hope you all go out and have a blessed week this week. So thank you all.